0: Hey friend, are you looking for episodes that dive deep into your Enneagram type or are you searching for faith-based insights that transform your life? With over 300 episodes on the Simply Wholehearted podcast, it's easy to get overwhelmed, but don't worry friend, I've got you covered introducing the curated personalized podcast playlist that is just for you based on your Enneagram type. So get your copy to help you continue your path of self-discovery and spiritual growth. You can get it at simplywholehearted.com or just click the link in the show notes to get your personalized playlist. And let's continue on this transformative journey together. Are you a mom and have found yourself recently asking, what happened to my sweet little boy or girl? Seem like you're constantly in conflict with your kids, who look more like adults on a daily basis. Are you finding it difficult to keep enough food in the house? Well, congratulations. You must be a parent of a tween or teenager. (laughs) And friend, you are not alone. I'm truly in the thick of things myself. Having three kids in three years means we have hit these tumultuous teen years in full force. But I'm excited to say, as we continue this month's focus on wholehearted relationships, I have some hope and super practical wisdom for loving and communicating with your teens really well. Now, if you're a mom who hasn't hit the messy middle, or maybe you've just come through it, and live to tell about it, (laughs) I hope you listen to the intentional takeaways that apply to you. And if you know a friend who needs some support and tools for parenting their teen, will you share this episode with them? It might be precisely the encouragement they've needed to hear. Because today, I'm going to unpack a few pieces of the personality puzzle to get you down the road of discovering your teen's natural communication style and tips on how to parent each style as they need. Hello, and welcome to the Simply Wholehearted Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Wicks, your wholehearted living coach, and I'm so glad that you stopped by to spend some time with me. Are you curious about the Enneagram? Do you want to learn biblical truths? And have you wondered if there are life rhythms that will help you thrive? Well, friend, then you are in the right place. For six years, this podcast has focused on sharing conversations with my friends about life, business, motherhood, faith, and all things Enneagram from a Christian perspective. I truly understand what it's like to juggle everything as a wife, mom to three teenagers, a pup, and all while building a growing business. And friend, I haven't always done things with clarity, peace, or joy. But still, the Lord has taken my brokenhearted pieces and healed them so I can live with wholehearted rhythms to provide women like you with a step-by-step process so you can get free of anxiety, shame, and frustrations that might be holding you back from thriving. I pray that the Lord speaks to you as you listen today and that you would invite your friends and family to join the fun conversations. Are you ready to laugh a little and learn a whole lot? Alrighty. Let's get to the conversation. If you happen to be a parent of a teen, you know that the number one pain point of conflict is often between your kids' use of their phone. Yes, because teens tend to focus on adult rights and parents tend to focus on all the adult responsibility, it is a major pain point and a point of contention. But here's the deal. I want you to ask yourself, would you have made the same silly, stupid, or dumb mistakes if you had had a phone as a teen? (laughs) Right? Answer that question honestly. Because if you grew up in the 80s and became a teen, like early 90s, the only thing you had trying to get your attention or vying for your attention were magazines, the Nintendo system, cassette tapes, and the early years of MTV. Okay, maybe throw in there some CDs. (laughs) Now, for me personally, if I had had a phone during those teenage years, I can't imagine the world of her I would have created for myself and others. So it's really no wonder that our teens don't use it properly or want to use it properly. Now, my point here isn't to tell you the how and what of phone usage. That is another podcast conversation for another time. But I do want you to remember what your teens are up against in this digital era and why it's critical, and I really want you to pay attention here, but it's critical to practice curiosity and study your teens. Now, I've been known before to use the phrase, be a student of your child. And really, you do get this fantastic opportunity to not take a step back now that they're teens and they've developed ability to converse articulate and form their own opinion in fact it's an invitation to engage in deeper conversation and engage with them in a way that is more curious so rather than constantly telling teaching or travailing over the way it was when you were a kid you get to ask more questions listen a little bit longer and wait for them to respond because my friend, you would likely have made the same mistake your teens are making or going to make. In fact, if you can remember that far back, how helpful would it have been if your parent or teacher asked and listened more about your struggles rather than telling you what to do. Again, I'm not here to fully dive into boundaries for teens. I will talk about a little bit, but I promise that any boundaries you need to put in place will go a lot further if you take time to learn their why, their what and how they think their freedom should look curious conversations around this topic will help you win most of these battles for the long term and in fact honestly it's not even about winning battles right it's about winning their heart ultimately their heart turned towards the perfect heavenly father who'll never let them down and then lovingly attached to our hearts And this is where I like to use the Enneagram. The Enneagram can help engage your curiosity and help you approach your teen to meet their unique need, whether it's conflict resolution, schoolwork, boundaries, chores around the house, and of course, even phone usage, right? Okay, if you've been here for a hot minute, you may have heard me tell you that I was the school PE teacher for a couple of years. Now, it was just a half a day. It felt like a very long day, but it was a half a day, once a week job. But I'll tell you what, I learned so much about kids. And in particular, there was a specific game that gave me a lot of insight through the power of observation with kids from age five to 17. There was truly clear behavior patterns with each child who would get into that gaga ball pit. Now, if you don't know what a gaga ball pit is, it's this octagon shape that goes on the playground at school where your kids can hit a ball back and forth, almost like dodgeball, but in a secured area. Of course, there's all sorts of differences and technicalities, but if you can get the idea that this is dodgeball in a pit, that is enough information to set the scene for what I'm going to share with you. Now, there would always be a group of kids that were very involved with the game, and this wasn't just because they were competitive, but because it was a way to engage with their classmates socially. They would do one of several things. They would be in the middle of the action, and they would be the ones loudly cheering others on, even if they got out. Or sometimes they would pretend they didn't care about the game if they weren't catching on as quickly as they liked or weren't as good at the game as they'd hoped. And then there was another group of kids who were eager to know the rules, to play by the rules and make sure everyone was playing by the rules. These were the kids who were also often more concerned about how others felt about the game or if someone felt hurt or left out. They were also hesitant to make big plays that might cause other ones to get mad at them, right? They weren't about to provoke the wrath of their peers. And then the last group of kids, they were often found in the corner of a pit, and they would get as low as possible, or they would huddle behind a group of people, or they would just get out of the pit as quickly as they could. They weren't typically the ones jumping up and down with excitement about the games that we would play. Especially in those younger grades, I had to make sure that they weren't wandering off to play alone or go to the swings far away from the crowd. Well, of course, there's many stories like this or analogies. One of the best things I learned to navigate the challenge of getting these kids to play together on a weekly basis was being curious about their unique communication style. It also helped me learn why my parenting challenges aren't like my sisters, my best friends, or even my neighbors, because each of us has a distinct combination of communication styles in our home. Like, think about this, right? Now, I won't get into the weeds of how all these different combinations could possibly play out in your home, because it won't make much sense until I dive into the details of the communication styles. So, do you have a pen and paper ready? All right, it's okay. If not, if you're multitasking, I want you to pay close attention and then come back to these tips later to take notes. Now, again, you may have heard me talk about stances before, but if you haven't, let me provide a recap with some more details that will be helpful in your investigation or as you lead with curiosity. The word stance in the Enneagram describes each person's posture toward communication. It also explains their natural conflict style and even orientation to time. There is so much insight to glean from this part of Enneagram teaching, and I plan to explain it more in the coming months, but for now, understanding stances has provided the most benefit in the connection with my kids, and that's why I'm sharing this information with you today. It's going to get a little nerdy and technical, but if you can follow along, I promise it will be so worth it. Now, first, there are several divisions of three in the Enneagram, and the stances or communication style provides one group of the nine different types. The three stances or communication styles that I'm going to expand on today are the assertive stance, the dutiful stance, and the withdrawing stance. And to help you remember the differences, the assertive stance moves toward people to get their needs met. The dutiful style moves alongside people to get their needs met. In the withdrawing style, they move away from people for fear of not having their needs met. Do any of these ring true for you or feel familiar? I really do think it's important to not type your kids which is why I'm not gonna be attaching specific number to the stances in this episode because I want you to the best of your ability to evaluate and study and be curious with your kids using these three general categories. Over time, you can have a conversation with your kids as they become more interested in learning about their unique personality. And there's some fun resources coming down the pike here soon with Simply Wholehearted to make it even more fun. Okay, now that we have that foundation, I have some keys for you to use as you evaluate what your child's natural communication style is. As I mentioned, the assertive style of personality moves towards people to get their needs met. When stressed, they tend to expand their sense of self rather than backing down and withdrawing. And sometimes they get too aggressive when interacting with you. And either you as the parent, their siblings, and friends in hopes to convince others of their values or ideas. Or you, right? (laughs) Teens in the assertive stance struggle the most with limited external interactions, such as they are most likely to push back against the boundaries you have set. They are likely to ask for more freedom and fewer limitations. They want to do things outside the home and connect with their friends and classmates on their own terms. I'd also like to highlight that the last three years has been unusually stressful and it's added a nuance that is worth noting. The last few years may have been especially challenging to the assertive types because the circumstances have continued to cancel play dates, opportunities, sports, vacations, and connections with their friends on a regular basis. Okay, to give you a few specific ideas of what an assertive style or assertive communication style may look like in your home is one you may see them want to know what is next, even if they're having fun at the moment. They most often will be the leader or try to lead their siblings and playmates. And if there are a few leaders in the group, there may be conflicts surrounding any effort to make a group decision. Now, the dutiful style, as I outlined above, moves along with people to get their needs met. They hope to earn autonomy by following rules, procedures, and others' expectations. When stressed, they hope to earn love and acceptance by following rules, procedures, and others' expectations. When stressed, they may dutifully serve or satisfy others' wishes. The dutiful communication style may tend to shut down their wants and desires in order to be loved and accepted. They will go along to get along, even while having an opinion though internally they live with a lot of oughts and shoulds. You will likely overhear or pick up that they are really tough on themselves. Stay tuned in to the negative self-talk and overemphasize your appreciation of their attunement to expectations, but follow it with the fact you will love them and want them no matter what. Kids in the dutiful stance struggle the most with expectations. They want clarity on what is expected of them, whether it's how to parent, teacher, or maybe even how an older sibling wants them to act or perform. They are likely your child who wants to know the boundaries, even if they don't like them or agree. They are less inclined to push back as much as your assertive stance child might. Now quickly here, there's something super important to note, especially if you have one child. So tune in. If your firstborn isn't as assertive as your second child is, it can feel like a bigger shock to parent the second teenager compared to the first one. So it goes if you parented less assertive kids and then have one come through the ranks later on. It can be startling to deal with some of the assertiveness if you've had dutiful or withdrawing children beforehand. Also, here's a unique detail based on the current cultural crisis for your dutiful type kids. During these crazy last few years, really as us as parents and adults were barely figuring out how to handle everything, we may have been less aware of the emergence of our kids' hormones. So the dutiful kids in particular may have felt the most stress from the adults in their life. They may have needed our stability more than the other's kids and we couldn't offer it because we didn't have it ourselves. So here's a few ideas about what the dutiful communication style might look like in your home. You might see them want to know who is in charge and what rules they need to be aware of and follow. Now, most often, these personality types will try to earn attention through caring for and serving others, again, in that dutiful manner. And likely, they will be really great at accommodating trusted authority or peer leaders when making a group decision. Now, the withdrawing style tends to move away or withdraw from people for fear of not getting their needs met. When they're under stress, they tend to retreat to an inner world of imagination or perhaps even zone out. Sometimes it feels very challenging for them to summon up the energy to deal with the outside world. They may be your child who expresses their struggle with fitting in with others and could even come across as shy, especially in larger, unfamiliar groups. It may just take them a little bit more time to warm up to others. Kids in the withdrawing stance struggle with the constant intimacy of a busy family life. Now, when all of the shutdowns happen, they at first may have experienced some momentary relief, but then as time went on, the typically spacious and comfortable living quarters may be felt smaller and they were really in desperate need of space the bubble they had was challenging yet it also may have created a sense of complacency so maybe now that things are more open they are struggling to adjust to the constant interaction outside the home or the pace at which your family is typically comfortable with or maybe you as a parent is Typically comfortable with. Now, as it goes with boundaries with this communication style, they are more inclined to push back, but their pushback looks different from the assertive types. Remember, the assertive stands will likely want more freedom and liberty outside the home with their social group and on their terms. The withdrawing stance will also challenge their childhood boundaries because they want more independence within the home, greater freedom to retreat to their room, and likely fewer time restrictions with their electronic devices, which support their desire to retreat. This change can feel a little bit more startling or abrupt for you, the parent, because you feel that sense of detachment emotionally or even relationally and mentally compared to the assertive types who are more overt, and their detachment tends to be more physical. Now, to give a few ideas about what a withdrawing style might look like in your home, they may not interject themselves into the family conversation, and they could even potentially be carrying some resentment and hurt because they feel like they're not being heard and seen compared to the other family members. They maybe even wonder if they fit in, or they think they could have been adopted. They may be content to play alone or separate from siblings and friends, more like the physical separation or going inward and retreating within their thoughts and their feelings. Now, if there are strong leaders in a group of peers or even maybe within their home or sibling set, they may tend to retreat or withdraw for fear of not being heard or not being able to adequately express themselves and their opinions. Okay, friend, I know this is a lot of information and it could feel a little overwhelming, but I do think that as you study this and study your children, there are things that are going to become more apparent and how it manifests itself in your home. If you do desire more questions or understanding about the communication style, I do have a resource that I'll connect you to in my show notes. Okay, there is already a lot of good takeaways, but are you ready for even more about how to parent these personality stances and styles? I do have a few more for you that you can implement today. Your specific tip for parenting an assertive teen today is to see their persistence and resilience as a gift. Affirm their ability to go after what they want. Yet, firmly remind them you know how to make the best decision for them. Encourage them to enjoy the moment and to take time to reflect on what they have done and are truly grateful for. Be aware that if they have siblings who have different personality stances, they will often want to maintain control, but they do need to allow others to voice their opinion and to get their way too. Your takeaway tip for parenting a dutiful teen is to acknowledge their superpower of serving and getting along. They may be your child who often flies under the radar in family conflicts, and make sure they don't get overlooked, overworked, or be put in the middle. Be aware you might need to be direct about seeking out their interests and desires. It's just about being curious, right? Also, be mindful of their interpretation of your expectations, those unstated ones or things that aren't clear. They may put undue stress on themselves to meet your needs or what they assume is what your desires are. And last but not least, the tip to parenting a withdrawing teen today is to recognize their need to retreat and have their own sacred space. They could be your child who escapes during family conflict and needs time to process emotions and decisions. Take time to discover their opinions, perspective and even ask questions about what they know and what they are very interested in. They really will have a lot to share when they're given an opportunity that feels safe and absence of competition from their assertive siblings or parent. When you adjust your natural communication style and response with your team, you will really go from living in a place of not understanding them to a place of now I understand them a little better. When your understanding increases, so does your compassion and it all begins with curiosity. You will connect with them on a profound level, even if they are an opposite communication style of you. It really is not about just tolerating the differences. You can embrace them and celebrate them and get along with them too. Again, this is not about determining your teen's Enneagram type, but rather their natural communication style. Once you go through the steps of determining their preferred interaction, then you can mindfully adjust your approach to training, discipleship, connection, and even boundaries. When you remember the differences or the similarities. It will help you stop with the emotional knee-jerk reaction, and you might find yourself enjoying being a mom or a caregiver of a teen just a little bit more. Okay, friend, is your hand tired from all that (laughs) note-taking? Well, if I know you, this first listen was likely done while you were being the Uber driver for all your kids' activities, tackling a few chores, or walking the neighborhood. And regardless of where you listened, I know you can implement your new knowledge today. And remember, you can go back and re-listen. Did you enjoy this Parent Focus episode? If so, I would love to hear your feedback. And I would also love to point you to some other series that you might find beneficial. And just make sure that you keep checking into the Simply Wholehearted podcast because I have a special series on motherhood with some extra special co-hosts. Janae Lanier, and Sarah Cronin, who are coaches in my Wholehearted Coaching Collective. They have agreed to work with me on a podcast mini-series with you, the mom, in mind. We would love to hear the topics that you would like us to focus on. Email me, wholeheartedenneagram at gmail.com, or just send me a direct message on Instagram at wholeheartedenneagram. And also, this week, I have an extra special guest interview. That you do not want to miss. So follow this podcast. You don't have to pay for it. Just hit the follow button. Because the Amy Porterfield, an online businesswoman rock star, is my guest to share her practical advice and tips to do work you love. Her new book, Two Weeks Notice, is perfect for those looking to make a career change for those who aren't totally sure where to begin. And by the way, if you have listened this far into the episode, then you might be interested in learning more about a mentorship program that I'm opening this month. The program begins March 6th, but you can learn more about the Wholehearted Coaching Membership at simplywholehearted.com or the link in the show notes. And next week, my new friend, Simi John is going to be helping us wrap up this series on relationships with an inspirational chat about wholehearted community and life as an Enneagram Six. Until next time, friend, continue to pursue God's perspective, purpose, and plans for your simply wholehearted life.